0: Welcome to the show, Paul George, Adam Conk, talking Art of Living, right here in the studio, which, when we recorded last week, Adam, the weather was horrible. It rained like four million inches.
1: Four million inches in five seconds. Mm.
0: Yeah, and uh, the weather was nice in the studio. Uh, Today, I'd much rather be outside.
1: That's true. That's why we need a sunroof in the
0: studio. (laughs) Only you. You know, we do have a glass window, but if it was up top, that would be... Yeah. Like a skylight. Yeah. Type thing.
1: Yeah, but it retracts and lets all the nice air in. Yeah. Maybe we could just do this show in my Jeep because it has a sunroof.
0: There you go. Yeah. Next that, episode. That yeah. would be awesome. How have you been? I've been great. How are you? Well, um, good. I mean, it's kind of, you know, this is May. You know, May is like kind of the weirdest busy moth ever cuz yeah. it's like you know graduations end of school first communions <sighs> tell me about it confirmations mother's day birthdays anniversaries it's just it's just a month where you're just like can we just get to the summer <laughs> you know now I know you homeschool so I don't I don't know if every month for you guys is summer like you can make summer anytime you want I don't know if you'll take summer off you do vacation but for people with you know kids in school and stuff it's like you get to may it's like ah, we just need a break
1: we just need a break it is exhausting the marathon of things to do okay i yeah i feel you man so do
0: y'all take a break
1: well we change what we do just like kids that go to school so for example you still have to do some summer reading or some whatever and so we uh because the thing is if we lose our daily structure, mama does not like it.
0: Yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so and, we have
1: to keep we have to keep the kids occupied.
0: And you have a lot of little's. A lot of little's, you know. A lot of little's. A lot of little's. We're, we're spread out.
1: You are quite spread out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so anyway, it is and my mind is like all over the place. Um Really? It's like daddy brain, you know, and I was in, I was in Houston, so I, I wanted to, you know, this is a kind of have you seen
1: What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for
0: real though? Okay, so I had a panic moment. What? I was traveling in Houston a couple weeks ago. It's May. I'm all over the place. You know, they call it, you know, a lot of people say mommy brain, but, you know, I don't think daddies get the credit. Like, we have daddy brain too. We do. Which is, you know, we're juggling plates and spinning around and, you know, work and this and that. And I'm in another town and I didn't fly. I drove. Okay. So I was going to give a talk and I drove uh, to Houston. So I get to hotel at night and I parked the hotel and, uh, and then I was leaving the next morning to go to the place where I was given a talk. Okay. So here, here's what it was. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but uh, <laughs> it was kind of a freak out moment. So I walk out of my, my room and I walk out of the side door of the hotel, not the front lobby. Okay. The side door to the, parking lot to the side that I thought I parked on. So I walk outside with all my stuff and I look and my vehicle's not there. It's gone. It's gone. Wow. That's quite a feeling. And you know the first thought I thought was somebody stole my vehicle. Like this is great. You know. And if you've been to certain parts of Houston. So all all the Houston listeners. You know this. Like you're not going to like you know say that's not true. Certain parts of Houston. (laughs) You would think yeah my car's gone. You know, and this was one of those parts of Houston. And so I just was like, Okay, well, my truck's been stolen. I'm gonna I'm gonna go tell the front desk and call the cops. And so I'm walking to the front desk. Like this is totally like I can't believe this happened. Mm-hmm. I'm walking and I'm thinking, what if I walked out of the wrong side of the hotel? <laughs> so I go to I'm thinking of stuff. Let me just go check the other side of the hotel. Maybe I got turned around, right? Have you ever got turned around? Like you walk out of oh, on one yeah. door. Like every so day. if you don't go to the lobby, you know, they have all these different exits depending on what wing of the hotel you're on. And so I was like, maybe I walked out of the wrong wing. So I go out the other side of the hotel to the other side of the parking lot. And sure enough, wow, there she is. And that was a good feeling. A hump like a snow heel. And that was a good feeling. Moby Dick. (laughs) The vehicle. (laughs) And you were freaking out. I was. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's a stressful thing.
0: But it was weird. So I have this really strange personality when it comes to like little things can bother me.
1: Well, I don't know if your truck getting stolen is a little thing.
0: No, little things can bother me. Mm. Big things. I'm kind of like, oh, we'll figure it out. Really? For the most part, when, when I walked out and my truck was gone, I freaked out, but I was like, well, there's nothing I can do. Really? Yeah. But if somebody, like, stepped on your pumas. But if somebody, like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not that I have pumas on. But, like, little things. And that's kind of, like, my like, things I have to work on. It's like these little things can really aggravate me. But, like, a big thing, I'm, like, super calm. Mm-hmm. And, like, okay, we'll figure it out, you know?
1: That's very interesting. It is. That's good self-knowledge, though.
0: I got to work on it. Yeah, but at least you know what to work on. Yeah. yeah. So speaking of working on things, we're, st- we're still in Easter. We are. And I was thinking about this, and I was talking to my wife, Gretchen, about this, and she was working on a talk that she's doing for women, and uh, we're talking about the resurrection. And what does it mean to live as a, as, a, as a resurrected Christian, in a sense, like to walk with the resurrected Christ, right?
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: We don't worship it's the historical Jesus, the the human Jesus who walked the planet. Like Jesus was fully divine. he He died and rose from the grave, right? Like the risen Christ. I mean when we use the word Christ, it's the the, the risen Lord, you know, mm. is is you know Christ is the risen Lord. And so after he rises, you know, from the dead, he appears. And then you think, what does it mean to really walk with the risen Christ? Because as Christians today, we're walking with the risen christ jesus has has risen right uh, and we still understand his passion death and resurrection we celebrate that in mass we 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 know that's happened but jesus has risen forever he's sitting at the right hand of god the father he's in heaven the gates of heaven are open we're we're resurrecting christians we're we're people of the resurrection hands down right
1: yes or oh, we should be
0: yes so so what does that mean because we do live in a world of pain and suffering, uh, and times where we don't feel like we're walking with the resurrected Christ. You know, So mm-hmm. I've really been thinking about that. Jesus appears after he rose from the dead a few times. Mm-hmm. And it got me thinking, like, he kind of taught us what it means to walk with him before he ascended into heaven. And I, and I want people to think about this, because Jesus never did anything without teaching about it. Mm -hmm. Like he taught us how to live, you know, we, we talk about on the show, the art of living, but we ever think about what did Jesus teach us? The art of what it means to live as a resurrected person, Christian, you know, believer, he did, he actually did. He did. And I want to dive into that a little bit because, you know, his, one of his first appearances was at the tomb, you know, Mary, Mary comes, you know, to, to the tomb, right? Yeah. Um, which I love—the the women beat the men to to the tomb, and uh, <clears throat> you know, when did she recognize him? You know, it was it was by his voice, mm-hmm. and right? Her name, her yeah. name—he called her by name, which I just think is like we we could talk about that forever, forever. But here's the deal: like we know, we know the voice of Jesus because He calls us by name, the Shepherd, you know, um, and that's how she recognized Him. You know, one of the ways that the, Jesus teaches us to live and walk with the resurrected Christ is to to hear His voice, and He calls us by name, to like to be in that communication, in that interaction, in that in that prayer, in that mm-hmm. in, in that moment with Him daily. Yeah, I love that you bring this
1: up. I mean, human relationships work like this. The quality of our relationship is based on how it is now, not how it was at some other point. So, for example, if you asked me, you know, Adam, how how are you and Marianne doing? I wouldn't reference some historical point in time, like, oh, well, when we got married, we were doing great, right? Or when whatever this was, this was fine, or this was a struggle. I would say, right now, here's where we are, right? And so it is with the Lord. We the quality of our relationship with Him is based on who he is right now and who I am hmm. right now. I like that. And how strong that connection is right now. Now, it includes the past moments. So, for example, my right now with Jesus includes his death on the cross. Um, it includes his preaching on on the Sermon of the Mount. It includes the Old Testament, for example. That's all part of the right now. Yeah, you can't exclude everything. Right. Because like my marriage with Marianne, our wedding day is part of our relationship now. You see what I'm saying? But... Our relationship is defined by right now, right, not by those past moments and it 's interesting too, you said he, he taught us, "I love that idea because where are the places where people found the risen christ it 's interesting. you said the tomb, a sacred place, hmm. right We can find Jesus, the risen Christ, in sacred places, our church, our chapel, our, a place set aside for the presence of God, right So the tomb is now a sacred place. you can go there and find the risen Christ. The road to Emmaus, amongst friends, talking about life and about faith. Jesus joins them. Yeah, and
0: that was, you know, that was another example, Is that Jesus, Mm -hmm. you know, appears at the road to Emmaus, and he's talking to the disciples or these people walking on the road, and they don't know him uh, until he celebrates the Eucharist. right? So at Mass. At Mass. find the risen Christ at Mass. And one of the ways, you know, as we, we spoke to live as a, to walk with Jesus and to, to live as a resurrected Christian, you know, is to hear his voice for him to speak his, his, our names and to be in communication. The other is, is to really immerse ourselves in the sacraments and mm-hmm. mass to be present to, to what the reality that's going on and mass can be boring or whatever you think you cannot be present. You could be preoccupied. You could be thinking about all these things, but there's a moment at mass where it's like everything draws attention and it, you know, at the at the altar at the table where it's like, oh, this is what's going on, right? Like, and all of a sudden you're like, whoa! The reality is, okay, now I recognize Jesus. Now I mm-hmm. recognize that He's here. This is the beauty of, of the Mass and the liturgy. But on the road to Emmaus, it wasn't till He, you know, celebrated the Eucharist. That like, wait, now we recognize Him. Mm-hmm. Isn't that
1: interesting? It's very interesting. And their relationship with him changed because of that experience. So, for example, they were no longer looking back to Jesus, which is, in their conversations, they were talking about the events that just happened. Right. Now they couldn't stop talking about the, the, the Eucharist, like how Jesus appeared to us on the way, and looking forward to seeing him again. And this is what I think what you're bringing up. When we walk with the risen Christ, we look forward and not backward. Right to what God is going to do and not what God has done already. Now, what he's going to do includes what he's done already. It's not like history is not important. But we look forward to him coming again. And as we journey with him, we're journeying somewhere. We're not just walking around aimlessly. you know. We're journeying towards that heavenly kingdom he's calling us to.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And Jesus doesn't do anything, and the risen Christ in Scripture doesn't do anything that doesn't have meaning today. Like he's teaching us that the sacraments are of utmost importance It's where we see him and can recognize him in prayer as he as he calls our voice you know like like how bad would your marriage be if you never heard your wife say adam adam mm-hmm. i love you like 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 actually hear the words right we 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 have to believe in faith that in prayer and in in really engaging in conversation with the lord that that he still speaks, you know. Mm-hmm. May not be this audible voice from the from from the clouds, but but internally in our hearts, like we we can recognize the voice of God because he knows our name, right? And we can recognize him in the sacraments. I mean, when's the last time you went to confession and you didn't feel good about it, right? Like you mm-hmm. recognize that there was something greater there, right? And on the road to Emmaus, the disciples Recognize that there was something greater here. Something bigger than us just happened. Our hearts were burning. Our hearts were burning. And that's what happens at Mass is when we engage in it, we're present to the reality of it. It's like there's something greater here. My heart is burning. I don't – in my humanness, always fully get it or understand it, right? Yeah. So I want to dive more into this. Uh, We're going to have an interview about it, and um, we're going to break this open. So Paul and Adam talking to Art of Living. We'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your health care cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Paul, Adam here talking art of living. I have my good friend Chris Faddis on the phone all the way from Phoenix, Arizona. Solidarity Share, Chris, how you doing, man?
2: Doing great, Paul. Doing very well. How about yourself?
0: Good. I am assuming that you're in Arizona because sometimes I talk to you, you're in different places.
2: I am. I'm here the whole month of May. So.
0: Dude, that's so good. good. So good for your family.
1: Is you know? it hot in Arizona?
0: You know, it's actually been, It's. I mean, it's
2: it's hot, but it, it's been a mild May, so it's not been too bad. It's so.
1: only like 103
0: uh, or something?
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, it usually starts getting hot in like, June, July.
2: Oh, it was actually we? cold at my son's baseball game last night. So really, yeah, that's crazy. It's breezy.
0: Um, all right, man. So great having you on. Um, so what's the latest with Solidarity? Um, how are you guys doing? Um. Yeah. Any, anything going on over there with you guys?
2: You know, we're, we're doing really well. The community is growing. Our staff is growing. And you, you know, you've been out. You've met our staff. I mean, I think it's probably doubled since you were here. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just been incredible just the kind of people that, that are coming to be a part of the, the team and serve our members and the kind of members we're gaining. I mean, it's just an amazing thing. So we're in the middle of a major like overhaul of our software and our processes, which is which is good to kind of be ready for more growth, you know, and but it's also um, it's a lot of work, and it's uh, it's sometimes uh, a very frustrating. a <laughs> guy who has to oversee that, but but it's going and it's it's happening, and, and God is good, and you know, great things. Our members are just incredible, so great things are happening with with our membership. But um, the community just keeps growing. I love it.
0: That's awesome. Talking to Chris Fattis, Solidarity HealthShare. Um, you know, I'm a member, uh, it's, it's been so good for us and our family, and actually Adam and his family, are remember, Adam, you were saying that you just had this recent interaction with Solidarity, like on a real practical level.
1: Yeah, and I'm happy to share it, because again, Solidarity is a non-profit ministry, so we're not like promoting a business or promoting a, a ministry within the church and the world, Right. and it's a ministry that has impacted us. We've been a member for a year and a half now, Okay. and we had a baby almost six months ago, little Elizabeth. And she's fine, but she needs some heart tests to kind of rule out some things, and so we did those. And the hospital that did the testing uh, sent us a bill. Even even well, so the way Solidarity works, like for our family, we have a an amount that we pay, um, and then once we hit that amount, it it's paid for by Solidarity after that. And so it's fifteen hundred dollars. Like we we hit, we hit that with the birth. Okay? Yeah,
0: yeah, and that's easy to hit with a with a birth. Yeah,
1: so we paid the fifteen hundred.
0: Yeah. Out of pocket. The Lord. Yeah, totally.
1: And then everything else will, will be covered by the community, right? So anyway, we get this bill for eight hundred dollars and we go to Solidarity, like, okay, we got a bill for eight hundred dollars. They negotiated down to a hundred. Really? So that's really? one eighth. Okay. And uh and we we're like, that's cool, good job, Solidarity. Well then like two weeks later we get the same bill, eight hundred dollars from the same hospital. So we're like, what's going on? Hmm. And they had double billed us. So I don't know why, if it was a mistake or if they're just trying to get more money from yeah. us. But solidarity talked to them and said, "No, you can't do that." And then, so anyway, it, it probably saved the he- whole healthcare system sixteen hundred dollars, um, which, to, which to me is a big deal because that all drives up prices and costs of healthcare. You yeah, know?
0: and you save money, obviously. Yeah, lots of money. Yeah. Is, Chris, is this yeah. is this a common thing that you hear?
2: Yeah, you know, they say that out of the three trillion dollars, I think we're I think we're actually over the three trillion dollars now of. Uh, Healthcare spend in this country—that that at least one trillion of it is waste. So, yes, yeah, oh, wow. I mean you're you're absolutely right. We're saving you. We're saving healthcare system. Saving you, you know, and, and it is. I mean, this is something we deal with all day long, and I, I'm constantly encouraging my staff because they're the ones who get to take the heat of those calls for our members. You know, hmm. when somebody—it's called a balance bill or a surprise bill—when they get those we've got to be the ones to, to intercept those and help our members and advocate for them. And so, so we do that, but that can be a really trying work, you know? So pretty much every staff meeting, I'm given a, a pep talk to remind them that they're on the front lines for our members and it's hard work, but remember our members are happy. And so this is a perfect example of that. Like this, this is the fruit of us fighting for our members to get the right thing, which is it's, it's only ethical. Like you, it should like cost and pricing, there's an ethic to it, right? Like you don't just make up a price. Like we've had bills come in, they're 1,500% more than Medicare, right? 1500 know? it's Just like Percent. 1,500%. It's yeah. unbelievable. We have cash paid things that our members sometimes look at a cash pay agreement at a hospital, and a cash pay deal ends up being 700% of Medicare. It's, it's insane what some of these people charge. And so, yeah, so we're out there. One of the one of the big things we do is try to help answer that, so I'm glad Adam you've had a good experience with that that's, that's an awesome uh, awesome example. yeah, well, thank
0: you Chris Fattis. <laughs> yeah All right. uh, Chris uh, Adam and I were talking in the first segment um, of you know we're still in Easter season where we celebrate the resurrection, but as christians we we live as resurrected people obviously we we understand and and we immerse ourselves in, in the passion and death. But the resurrection, like Jesus has risen, the risen Christ is risen forever. Like, he's not coming and dying again and rising again, like in a sense, historically, Jesus walked the planet, he died, rose, and we live as a resurrected people. And we were talking about how, as the resurrected Christ, when he before he ascended, he actually taught us how to walk with him as a resurrected Christ, you know? And one of those ways... One of those stories for me that pops out is you know, Jesus as a resurrected, resurrected Christ walks through the walls of also, wherever the disciples wherever were the disciples. and enters into their fear and enters into their suffering and pain that they're feeling. For you and your story, if people haven't heard some of the past shows that you've been on, you know, your wife Angela passed away and uh, you guys dealt and you 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 and your family have dealt with a lot of suffering. What is it like for to walk with Christ who's risen in in your pain and suffering?
2: Mm. yeah you know i mean I think that that is it's i mean i I will say it's it's difficult because it's still difficult to this day even though. I have an example in my own life of having been able to do that. But, but it is, yeah. I mean, we, my wife ultimately, you know, perfect example is that the day that she was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer, it was Easter Sunday. And, you know, we were in the ER and we're, we're, you know, uh, we're thinking she's just constipated and next thing you know, they're telling us, Hey, you've got massive tumors and you know, this isn't looking good, you know? And so, so, um, her response to that was exactly what you're talking about. It was Easter Sunday, and she said, Jesus still rose, so we will trust. And so right out of the gate, she basically set the course to say, this is how we're going to handle this. (laughs) You know? We are going to allow the Lord into this. And that doesn't mean there weren't very difficult times and despairing moments and and all of that. But but in some ways, I mean, I think I I wrote in, in my book about this that, there were times when we talked about how it would, be, it would be easy to just give up hope. Like, we we, we almost wanted to give up hope, right? You just said, like, just let it go. It's, like, too much work for hope sometimes. And I remember, Angela, we had this conversation, and she said, but I can't. I can't. And there was something in her soul that would not allow her to descend, had to ascend to Christ, and she had to allow Christ in. And that... um that honestly, through all of it, doesn't mean we didn't have very, very hard times in that cancer journey, but through all of it, um, there was always this sense of, of purpose. There was a sense of joy. There was this, this kind of pulling us up out of the depths, you know, and, I, and, and so, I mean, to, to say that some of my happiest times of my life with her happened during that year and a half of her cancer it's it's kind of hard to believe, but but it's true. So so that, that there was so much joy, there was so much purpose, there was so much peace, even in the midst of the most tragic situation we could have possibly faced.
1: Well, and it seems, Chris, that in those moments, your faith really gets challenged in the sense of do you really believe Jesus is alive and present and worth mm-hmm. worth living for, or worth dying for, or worth worth everything in this moment and um, what was it like, your own journey of of faith growth in those moments? So obviously your relationship with Angela was, it had its own special beauty at that time, but your relationship with Christ, did it take on a new quality during that time as well?
2: Yeah, I mean, it really, it, it really like, I think the biggest thing was really, truly, uh, at a deeper level, like, I understood trust, I, I used to write a lot about trust, and I used to teach a lot about trust, you know, in my ministry work, and but to know what it means to trust the lord to know what it means to to not worry but turn to him you know and um and it still is a work to do that but to just kind of like have that almost as a as a habit as a as like a way of life and living and walking i mean i think i love you talking about walking in the resurrection walking in that victory because you know we're in our day to day i mean we're in our battle right we're all in our and our working out of our salvation or whatever it is. And for, you know, better part, for, you know, lack of a better term, some of us have bigger battles than others. And, and it's hard sometimes to realize that, like, we have victory, like, oh, the ultimate victory is really not about what we're facing right now. It's about what we're going to face upstairs, right? So, so that is, um, you know, that, that for me was kind of this, this confidence, I guess, in, in the Lord and confidence in what he's made me to do. I mean, I will tell you that, by, you know, Angela passed away, but one of the things I noticed through that is that my, um, my self-worth, my discouragement that I faced my whole life dissipated. I would constantly be discouraged and not follow through on what I felt the Lord was calling me to do, and that was gone, you know? And there was this this sense of, like, I'm walking into victory. And I still, now to this day, I still have to remind myself of that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's uh, it really did change that kind of character of a relationship with the Lord, where I wasn't always just, like, going to Him in despair or fright or fear, but just having this sense of true, um, unadulterated, you know, trust, like just a ruthless trust in Him, that it just was constantly, a, you know, a reaction to a, a tough situation it was just the turn to the Lord. And that was a... Definite change in my relationship with
0: God. Yeah, absolutely. Talking to Chris Fattis, um, Solidarity Health Share, SolidarityHealthShare.org. Dude, I mean, your story just, you know, comes to play here in a very practical way. Um, and we've all, everyone who's listening, may have not experienced, you know, a, a close death of the family or a spouse, but we've all experienced fear, pain, worry, suffering. It's human nature. But um, what What are ways like that that we can i guess trust that the resurrected Christ is willing to walk through the walls of my pain you know per se mm. um, h- how have you been able to experience that and and know that that's that's a truth for you
2: you know I think it, it is again it's that that part of um, I think often we let things go too far before we realize we need God. You know, we, we, we're very self-reliant, right? So we're always trying to figure it out, we're trying to do this or that, and we're often telling the Lord what we want or need as opposed to just trusting Him to give us what we need, right? And I think for me, you know, even to this day, I find myself at times, like, very frustrated or, or whatever, I mean, and oftentimes it's like a spiritual attack in, as soon as I acknowledge that I need Jesus in that moment, it's like it, things start to lift, right? Gotcha. Things start to change. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife and I had this experience recently where we just had this, like, just got really mad at each other for something. And it was something so dumb. And not something we would normally, and we both, I mean, we didn't even want to talk. We were, you know, she, we were talking about maybe going to, like separating and, you know, putting the little kids down and one of us going to Mass and the other one going later. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We have to go to Mass together right now. Like, there's something here. Mm-hmm. And I realized it was Divine Mercy Sunday. After Mass, they were doing a whole procession of the Eucharist and a whole adoration, and the devil was trying to keep us from that, right? But as soon as we recognized, no, we have to go to Mass, even though we don't feel like it, and we don't want to sit next to each other right now for stupid reasons, right? We, the Lord entered into that and turned our... As soon as we walked into the Church, we both looked at each other, well, I'm sorry, you know? but And, and neither of us, we both don't even know why we got mad. It was, it was silly, right? But I think that's, like, just one example of this this idea that we're, it's so difficult sometimes to turn to God, but to, to just have Him there. And for me, what I have to do, and, I, and I'm not great at it, I do it well for a few days and I lose track of it, but I have to set my sights on Him like in the morning. I have to have that focus on resurrection. For me, oftentimes it's praying the Divine Mercy Chaplet, it might be praying the Rosary, it could be listening to Christian music, whatever it is. To set my sights on that, because I can, I can sense that tension and that that fear start to rise up in me if I don't, and then I and then I wait till it's too late to ask for the Lord. And I think we have to get the Lord involved sooner, in our day to day lives, because otherwise we're only experiencing the Lord in those hard times. Hmm. And if we don't get to that point where the Lord's part of our everything, then how do we truly get to that point where he, we can truly trust Him with everything?
1: Yeah, I love that you bring this up because we really are so weak as human beings with our attention and our focus. It doesn't take much for us to lose focus on the most important things and on who Jesus is. And, like, think of uh, St. Mary Magdalene, right? She knew the Lord intimately before his death, watched his death, and was faithful in those moments, and then still didn't recognize him in the garden right like she needed help and mm-hmm. even in that moment of recognizing who jesus was at that time she needed help from the lord to overcome her weakness and say mary right and so um you know i'm glad you mentioned these things that help that help you focus on christ H- how do we continue to to out trick ourselves and our own weaknesses to remind ourselves that jesus mm-hmm. is alive because it seems like the biggest thing do we actually recognize that jesus is alive right now in front of me or do we lose that focus and attention and those are kind of the two choices before us. so how do how do we keep our attention focused on him
2: yeah i mean i think i think it's it's so hard to to not be cliche with this kind of thing but it's so it's so simple as turning to god first thing in the morning Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and i used to a couple years ago a few years ago i asked a friend how do you stay focused and he was like you gotta do the daily office in the morning. Every morning I get up, you know, at 4 a.m. and I do this before my kids get up and da-da-da-da. And I tried it and I failed miserably. Like, I, you know, I have a hard time going to bed at night, a harder time getting up early, and my kids are up at all hours, you know, and all this stuff. And so there was always excuses, you know. And so, you know, I finally realized for me, like, I found what works for me is it's very, there's there's no excuse for me not to pray a Divine Mercy Chaplet in the morning. It takes seven minutes. Like, there's no excuse. If I can't give the Lord seven minutes, I can't give them I, I don't truly I don't truly believe what I believe right so so giving in that seven minutes, what I find for me is that sets my sights on the right things, and then the rest of the day i'm I'm reminded something simple like that, just one simple change that says at the beginning of my day, I somehow turn to the Lord, I think helps to create that habit, and then you and then you can turn to the lord more more often more readily you know and you know even in solidarity health share we've had difficult things that happen in the office or whatever's going on, and we're having a stressful day. And, and whenever somebody, you know, finally reminds us, hey, we should pray. Or, you know, I remember last year we had issues, crazy, crazy issues with phone systems. It was like nobody, not, not a single engineer in the world could figure it out. And we had just brought a crucifix into our office. And finally someone said, I called a religious order and asked them to pray for you. It worked immediately. The devil was attacking, right? Like we weren't even thinking, hey, this is something we should take to the Lord because it's an IT problem. Even those kind of practical things we've got to bring the Lord in because the Lord will the Lord will know if it's really practical or if there's something else going on.
1: Yeah. Does it, does heaven have an IT department? Like did that did that work for you? Well I mean,
2: I obviously they do. They they really good at fixing phones based on that story. So
0: <laughs> there's no INT. Huh? Yeah. Does that make sense? No, it makes no sense at all. <laughs> uh Jesus is it? Jesus's it? I don't know. Like there's.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, we just really digressed. I'm sorry for using that story.
1: <laughs> no, that's a great story, and and I love stories like that. I, I heard one recently um, that's similar, but I think these stories and and hearing how God really is alive and working, um, we always act like it's a surprise. Like, like oh, He's really alive and He really loves us. But this is how we are as humans. Like there is something in us that forgets who he is unless he reminds us often right
2: right right yeah and i and, and i to say that again too like i said the thing about the, if you can't pray a minutes we also have to give ourselves that forgiveness if we forgot for the last five days just get back to it right mm-hmm. like if we missed it just get back to it like i think that's another piece that you know i think sometimes it's like Oh, I, you know, my wife and I talked about that you do like a Lenten journal or, a, a, you know, a 40-day thing, you know, spiritual exercises or something, or 33 days to morning glory, and you get off track, and you sit there and you wonder if you should even go back to it because you failed. You already failed. Yeah. Well, I think the Lord is saying, like, no, pick up. Like, if, if out of the 33 days you do 17 of them, that's still 17 days you focused on me <laughs> Yeah. and what I have for you, you know? So I think it's important we give ourselves that, that levity to say, okay, Lord, I need to come to you sooner. I'm going to remind myself I'm going to turn an alarm, and hopefully I'm going to do well for longer this time, you know? So.
0: Yeah, and Jesus doesn't give up on us. The resurrected Christ is, you know, here with us no matter what. doesn't turn our yeah. back on Amen. us. Amen, yeah. So.
2: And, you know, I, just one more thing I want to say, Paul, to tie this back to Angela's story, because I think it, here's what I, I want to make sure people understand is that well, I'm talking about something simple as praying a five- to seven-minute prayer a day, the reason Angela could sit in that hospital bed when the doctors told her she was going to die was and say, Jesus still rose, so we will trust, is because of all those five-minute prayers before. Hmm. All those moments when all she said to Jesus, she used to sometimes, when she had depression, her only prayer would be, Jesus, help me. Whatever it was that she was doing all those years, those 31 years leading up to her diagnosis, that's what prepared her heart to trust the Lord in the most trying time. And I think that's the part, you know, and, and to live in the resurrection, as you said, in the most trying times. So, so these little things, it, it's it's like it, you, you're praying up and you're getting ready. I remember a friend, our our mutual friend, Brad or uh, Paul uh, Pat Kruska telling me when I was a, a teenager, you know, you better be praying up now because when the stuff hits the fan, you're going to be too busy, you know, dodging the stuff and not have enough time to pray, you know. So, so that was a that was a big kind of thing for me lesson in my life, and that's what really brought Angela to that point, that she had already prayed up, and her heart was prepared for what, what was happening to her, to still serve the Lord, still trust the Lord, and still walk in His resurrection.
0: Amen to that. Dude, this is great. Thanks for taking the time, uh, Chris, and for all the work you guys are doing with Solidarity Hailshare. I mean, you helped Adam and his family, so if, if, it, if it was... Well, that's just one story. I if, have a few. If you guys have only helped one, Poor little Adam over <laughs> it's here. Me.
2: I'm the one. If we, if we can help one, then we've done our job. No, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful thing, and we're grateful. And thanks for your partnership and helping spread the word.
0: Yeah, no, it's awesome, and I love being a part of the family. So uh, thanks so much, bro. And we'll talk to you probably in a few weeks, man. We'll have you back on. All right. God bless. All right. You too. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the health care problem. Are you paying too much for your health care cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a health care sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund health care costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org that's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Paul and Adam talking art of living right here in the studio. Great convo with Chris Fabs. Yeah.
1: Chris knows how to he knows how to talk.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he knows how to talk.
1: Well, he's just lived so much, you know.
0: Right. He's he experienced
1: a lot. He just spews that wisdom i didn't
0: know that story about your baby
1: yeah oh there's there's several solidarity success stories in my life
0: yeah well you have a lot of people in your house you know so
1: yes 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 those
0: doctor visits can add up well
1: it just it just frustrates me how it it sounds like it's not real but it's real they just make up prices they just make it up like whatever they think they can get it's like It's whatever they
0: think they can get. It's
1: the opposite of Vegas. Like, everybody goes to Vegas hoping to win something, and they'll put down a little, hoping to get a lot. It's price gouging at its highest. They're just like, you know what? I'm going to get this much money. I mean, imagine if you went to Vegas, and there was no risk at all. Mm -hmm. And whatever you put down, you're going to get 90% of the time. Right. Of course, it would get out of hand, and that's where we are.
0: Yeah. (laughs) All right, so we've been talking about uh, the resurrected Christ and walking with him, you know. And uh, so we've pointed out a few of those things in the first segment, you know, Jesus appears at the tomb, and we talked about the voice uh, of Jesus Mm -hmm. calling our name, appears on the road to Emmaus, um, and they recognize him in the breaking of the bread and the sacraments. Like, Jesus, the risen Christ, teaches us how to walk with him in the resurrection, Mm -hmm. right? And with Chris, we were talking about suffering, how Jesus appeared in the upper room, I think, a couple of times, actually. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, once Thomas was there, and once Thomas was not. Right, right.
1: Yeah, Thomas was not there at first, and they told him. And of course, that's how he gets the term "doubting Thomas." Poor he Thomas. He came back, and but he Jesus said, "Unless appears. I touch those wounds, I'm not believing." Because this <laughs> right?
0: sounds crazy. And we're talking about to Chris about how Jesus, you know, walks through the wall like mm-hmm. uh, of of our pain and suffering, and wants to live with us in that fear. You know, so we we have this image of the disciples. Really living in fear, they 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 had yet to um, go out into the world and preach the gospel, mm-hmm. right?
1: Well, one one instance that I think is worth noting is when he appeared to Saul. So, it's a little later; it's after the ascension, but the risen Christ appears to Saul. And I know that speaks to my experience with the risen Jesus is that when I when I need a little kick in the butt or I'm ready to change something that needs to be changed, that God needs to change with me. If conversion becomes a priority in my life, Jesus is always there, or at least has been for me, present in those moments to help help me in those moments, right? But it's it's been a way for me to have a strengthening my relationship with Christ, conversion in particular. Like when I realize I need to change, hmm. it strengthens my relationship with him.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of people think conversion only happens once you know, like, like conversion for Paul or Saul, you know, and the Mm -hmm. Lord changed his name to Paul. Uh, that was just happened once it was in one moment. If you read the life of, of Paul, the guy was constantly in the midst of conversion Mm -hmm. um, and struggle and pain and like working out his, 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 you know, old self. And he talks about the new self a lot and he talks about the old self a lot and. Conversion is this ongoing process of change, of of learning to live differently, right? And we all need those moments where the Lord speaks to us, knocks us off of our prideful horse, in a sense, and says, it's time to change. And I think you're right. Like, that's one of the, the ways the risen Christ teaches us is like, hey, we're, we never c- can get to the point where we feel like we have it all together because we don't. Mm-hmm. We grow in pride and ego and... A story of Saul. You know, another another way that, uh, you know, Jesus ap- appears after the resurrection is um, the disciples go back to fishing. I don't know if you know that. Mm. You didn't know that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they go back to fishing, and so they're fishing, they're not having much luck, right? And Jesus says, cast your nets off to the side, and they cast their nets, and they pull up, you know, all these fish, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Wasn't it like a certain amount of fish? or
1: yeah. 150, either three or six, I can't remember exactly, but... Species? Different varieties of fish. Not actual fishes, but different (laughs) types of fish. Yeah,
0: and they filled the boat, right? Filled the boat. Like, the boat was sinking. The boat was filled, right? And it was in that moment, Jesus spoke to them, and and the miracle happened of the fish that they recognized Jesus was.
1: Well, again, you know, it was St. John that pointed them out, it is the Lord, and... This is the same St John that we know is at the crucifixion that we know n- was very close to Jesus on earth and yet it took some event to rattle his mind to the resurrection. And I think we have to be honest with ourselves if we haven't had that kind of event this kind of shaking us because when you have St John who knew Jesus personally and needs this like moment of shaking him to say this is Jesus we need the same kind of moment in our life probably more than once. Absolutely. And this happens on retreat for a lot of people. This happens, you know, in a time of crisis. But this is the the glory of the resurrection is that it's not business as usual. Like, hey, wake up. We're talking about the resurrection and Jesus is alive. It's meaningful. Wake up, you know?
0: Yeah. no. what we learn about this story and the way that we can learn to walk with Christ is that – um he still provides miracles and mm-hmm. those miracles change our lives right and the miracle could be us changing mm-hmm. more than anything and the fact that Jesus wants to provide those those moments those events those conversions in our lives invites us to go on a retreat he he invites us to um you know pull up our nets and experience what it's like to have the abundant life in him like i provide Jesus the risen Christ, is, I will provide for you. Like have no fear, I'll provide. And when, you know, I just love the image of them fishing and catching nothing. And they were fishermen. Yes, they were good at it. Okay, so it's not like they They're were like at, it, at least. It's not like they were like high, you know, working in high-rise buildings is, you know, you know, whatever. They were fishermen and they were catching nothing and Jesus is like, boom. Right? Jesus provides. This is what he teaches us. And this is what's so hard for me, like in in the word that you use often on the show, in full disclosure, (laughs) trust. Mm. The risen Christ teaches us to trust in something greater than ourselves and something greater than what we can provide. That's really, really hard to do.
1: Yeah. It's really hard to do. Well, another thing about this story, too, related to that, is in what setting are they asked to trust? It's actually two different settings. In the water and on the shore. Hmm. In the water, they're working. They're at work. This was their job before they followed Reason Jesus. That, they I went like back that. to their job, right? Yeah, and they pulled the nets on the shore. And so Jesus came to them at their work. Hmm. And yeah. he was there, right? And when they trusted him in their work, and again, it's not a prosperity gospel. It's not like um, just trust Jesus and you'll make a gazillion dollars at what you're doing. But the will of God will be accomplished in your work if you if you are connecting with him in that moment. But then on the shore, it's a different type of work. It was the type of work that the Lord really wanted them to do, which was pastoral work, yep. ministry. Yep. Right? Feed my lambs. That's what he says to Do you beer. love me? Yep. Feed my lambs. And it was that work that the risen Christ was encountering him. So whether we're working in the church, in the work of ministry, or working out in the world catching fish, the risen Christ is present to us.
0: Absolutely. And teaches us to have breakfast together. <laughs> I like that too. Uh, to have a conversation, to be in a group. to, to But you know, fish for breakfast? I don't know. Look, I don't know. <laughs> fried fish? I can eat fried fish anytime. For breakfast? Have you ever had a fried fish sandwich? I've yes, actually had a fried absolutely. fish sandwich in the morning for breakfast fishing. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, did you, did you get what I just said? I think I did. I think I did. Yeah. I'd you were fishing, <laughs> and while fishing,
1: ate fried fish. Yes. For breakfast.
0: As a sandwich. And it was good? Unbelievable. Yep. Good and family. I caught fish while eating a fish sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> and that also That is awesome. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, this is, you know, as we immerse ourselves in, in the risen Christ and his stories, like, this is, he teaches us how to live. Like, so he didn't leave the disciples abandoned. Mm-mm. Like, after the resurrection, he spent time continuing to teach them how to live, how to trust, how to hear his voice, how to, you know, uh, immerse themselves in, in the sacraments. Uh, how he walks through fear and suffering. How he um, enters into our work and provides and teaches us how to trust. And there's this last image where Jesus appears. And there's some other times, but these are the main ones we're talking about. Is he appears on the mountain mm-hmm. with the disciples before his ascension? And there's this there's this moment where it says they worship and they doubted. And We could talk a whole show about that, but he he spent time with them, and then he commissioned them. You know, So one of the things that he teaches, and it was teaching them, and then eventually urged them and pushed them on to do, was to go out into the world and make disciples of all nations. He sent them out to live the Christian life as a resurrected people, as a resurrected people who weren't hindered by fear and doubt and worry, but with purpose and mission. And boom, Mm -hmm. they did that. And I think that word doubt
1: is so important to kind of look at because we use it as if it means that I don't believe something. Like, for example, if you told me, hey, Adam, I shot a hole-in-one the other day, right? And I would say I doubt that. What I'm I'm really trying to say is I don't believe that. That's hard to believe. That's not doubt. Right. Doubt is I'm going to suspend any judgment about this. So, for example... I'm doubtful you would be able to do that. I'm not saying you didn't, but I'm not, I'm not ready to commit to that being true. So I'm just not going to have any assent at all, right? And this kills the Christian. And this is where they were on the mountain. And you might say, like, how could they possibly doubt? It's not like they didn't believe God existed. It's not like they didn't believe Jesus was God. He was there. It was that they weren't ready to commit to assent to who was in front of them and what they were called to do. And doubt paralyzes us because we literally are stuck, like, in the mud. Um, it's worse than not believing. You know, like, St. Saint, Saint Paul was all against Jesus. Then God turned that around and it became all for Jesus. But he was in a direction. His direction was moving against Christianity. God redirected it to be for
0: Christianity. Doubt is no movement. It's stuck. Hmm. <laughs>
1: That's even worse.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No, and I think we can all relate to that feeling of stuck in our faith and in Mm -hmm. our life. Because here's what doubt does. It makes us question Mm -hmm. that God can provide. It makes us question that he will come through for us. It makes makes us question whether or not we can do what he's asking. I think the disciples were doubting that the life that he was calling them to, that they could do it. And what he was saying is, well... You actually can't, but I can in you. I can I can achieve this through you and in you through the power of my Holy Spirit, right? And so He doesn't he constantly say, I'm not gonna leave you or forsake you, abandon you. He uses those words. I'm gonna send the advocate, the Holy Spirit, to live inside of you to empower you to live this life that I'm calling you to live. Yes, it, it's it's normal to question whether or not that could be possible, but Doubt keeps you stuck. So just mm-hmm. just grab hold, have faith, and I'll take you where you need to go.
1: Yeah, and and look, none of us have it all together. And I've talked to a lot of people who say, "Well, look, I struggle with my belief or my faith in, let's say, the resurrection or in the Eucharist." Or and that is not the same as as doubt, because like some of these people have been very faithful; like they go to mass all the time. They're they're improving their lives. They have a, a a good relationship with their spouse and their kids. You know what I'm saying? Like they're not stuck as people. Saint Therese herself had issues with faith. Like, absolutely. There's nothing wrong with feeling like,
0: is there a possibility all of this is not real? Yeah, because at the root of doubt, there's fear. I mean, imagine that you're going skydiving and you're twenty thousand feet up, ten thousand feet up. Okay, skydiving, ten thousand feet. And you're on the edge of the plane about to jump. I mean, is it fairly natural to be like, I'm doubting whether or not, one, I should do this. <laughs> Two, I'm doubting whether or not my parachute will actually open up. So there's a very natural doubt that,
1: yeah. you know. I, yep. Well, that's but, the thing about doubt. No matter how many times the instructor tells us, it's
0: going to be all right. Or our friends tell us it's going to be all right. It's still going to be there. I'm stuck. A little Because... Bit. The only way in. to know if the parachute is going to open is to actually jump. Right. Right? So you you doubt the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. The the only way to to move through that is to to walk forward to to repent, receive him, you know, like to go to mass. The only way to know if Jesus is going to come through for you is to jump. The only way to move through your doubt is to actually jump through it, to move forward in it. And to, to understand and get the reality and this feeling that, oh, my parachute did open up. Like, mm-hmm. God did come through for me. It's really hard when you're on the edge. But the only way to know is to jump.
1: You just got to keep moving. You, you got to keep moving. You don't moving. think St. Paul questioned things when he was in prison? Right. When he was beaten, when he was shipwrecked? He was st- at least questioning himself. Yeah. Like, Maybe I misheard you, Lord. Maybe I misunderstood.
0: I'm sure he had all those
1: moments. But he kept moving. He kept going.
0: Yeah, and I I like what you use that doubt keeps us stuck. The only way to be unstuck is just to move forward. Like, you Mm -hmm. don't always know what's going to happen. And I do appreciate that about the disciples fishing. At least they did something. Mm -hmm. They went fishing. (laughs) And, you know, people kind of bag on them all the time. They're like, look, they went back to fishing. At least they were doing something. They went back to work. And if they wouldn't have gone fishing, would they have seen Jesus that day? I don't know. I don't know. But Jesus didn't say, "Oh, you yeah, went back for to fishing. I'm done with you." Mm-hmm. That's not the experience of the resurrected Lord. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, "Oh, you went back to fishing because that's what you know how to do. I'm going to take your fishing. I'm going to turn that into something else, right? Mhm. You you're, you're going to now, you know, feed feed sheep, real sheep people. You're going to be fishing for men. You're going to be doing all those things. So Jesus takes those things. He doesn't, you know, deny them. Mhm. You know, So they went back to something, and Jesus just used that to catapult them into the life they're living. So wherever you are in your life, whatever you're facing, Jesus can use that situation to perform a miracle, to provide an opportunity to move you forward, to keep you from being stuck. But don't stay in doubt. Just take one step forward and let, let the grace of the Lord continue to push you forward, even when you can't see. Because when the disciples were fishing, they couldn't see past that day. Mm-hmm. They thought it was over. Like, <laughs> I don't know. They, they they, didn't know what was next. And neither do we. Neither do we. And we won't. And we won't. So anyway, great show, man. Thanks to my wife for providing some of this content. Actually, she just asked me the question, and I started thinking about it. That's very nice. So anyway. and Thanks, thanks Gretchen. To, yeah. It was her birthday this week. It's your birthday. Mm-hmm yeah well actually
1: our our wives have one day apart birthdays. birthdays
0: so we had Mother's Day one kid's birthday my wife's birthday and anniversary coming up it's like boom boom boom. we have those exact same things are yeah. we the
1: same person
0: just without the beard and without the years
1: Adam so I've got the beard you've got the years there's tears in my years tears in your years
0: <laughs> as long as it's not in your ears or my beers your beers yeah so anyway great show thanks to Chris Fattis. Um, for coming on and um, yeah, share the share the show. Go to discovertheartofliving.com You can support the show uh, on the podcast donate page, and uh, you can share it pod- on the podcast, uh, iTunes, Google Play, the whole deal. And uh, thanks to KFT Radio here in Lafayette for airing the show. And we'll be back next week. God bless.